0: 4% should be appropriate. If you took out 4% of your portfolio, you're not going to touch the principal. So that's why it's so important to find out what is the appropriate place to have your money. And then people say, well, I wanna put it all in dividend paying stocks. Well, okay, so yeah, they pay a dividend of this amount today, but that dividend can change. And what happens when you have to start selling your stocks because of required minimum distributions? Well, now your dividends are changing. It's time for the Retirement Reality Podcast with the founder of Principal Preservation Services, Mike Koyanen.
1: Well, on this show, we like to do uh, a lot of uh, comparing, you know, everyday items and, and things that we deal with in our life to retirement, because there's a lot of lessons we can learn from just things we do every single day. And... Before we get into our conversation today, to set it up, I want to bring up. uh, I know, Mike, we talked about this before, but you have a farm, right? You work a lot on the land, and your family uh, spends a good bit of time on the land with animals and such, right?
0: Yeah, it was a little hobby farm. It's not a full time uh, deal, but yeah, we have about a dozen chickens and a few goats and, uh, you know, other, you know, obviously the typical dogs and cats, but it's uh, maybe we're going to expand on that. We're talking about possibly mini donkeys and uh, nice. things like that in the future but yeah right now it's the first year last year we had chicken and goats and you know getting the eggs from the chickens has been great it's great to get the children involved so our our uh, you know our 12 10 year old and twin 6 year olds they're they're all helping and seeing all that but also seeing some of the the things you have to deal with with you know um, animals and and life and death and stuff like that, so it's important for them to be involved with that
1: yeah and and putting a and, and having a successful farm even though you know your goals might not be to make a bunch of money off your farm but at least to keep it manageable and, and everybody healthy and the animals uh, producing what they need to produce it takes a lot of work and it's a routine and that farming uh, analogy is one that I think you can make with retirement and I want to go through a few items that maybe you go through uh, on your hobby farm, Mike, maybe not, but you're probably familiar with these concepts, but how these concepts relate to retirement planning. So yeah. okay. the first one is understanding liquid versus non-liquid assets. And I think this is, is big with farming because a lot of your assets in farming are non-liquid assets that you, uh, you have that you can't really sell off quickly if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, you're right. And you know, our house is not you know, it's not agricultural land, but when, you know, zoned that way. But when we have, I just met with a gentleman recently and he has, boy, farmland in Iowa that I believe is worth three or $4 million, you know? So uh, when you look at his his majority of his estate is tied up in a non-liquid piece of land because, you know, and we, we also say God is not making any more land. So it's a finite number of amount of land we have. Now there's a lot of people who wanna buy up that land, right? But you only get that money, and it takes time to do these transactions. If you need money, how long is it going to take to do that? Um, and what we find is a lot of farmers don't want to eliminate that, they wanna keep that in the family. They, if they want it to send it to the kids, and if the kids don't do it, we want it to go down to you know somewhere else in the family lines. Um, grandkids possibly but it's so good to have other mixture of asset classes outside of the land Mm -hmm. you don't want to be heavily invested in real estate you don't want to be heavily invested in farmland you don't want to be heavily invested in anything whether it's just stocks or bonds or cash so it's good to have um, some liquid assets a good diversity of that and i always tell people i said you're taking a big risk already with you know, the land and the farmland. And we, you know, a lot of the farmers have been farming for a long time or maybe their children at the time. We saw what happened in the 80s when farmland just, farming just went down really hard and farmers had a hard time and the value of farmlands went way down. Um, And now it's kind of built back up and some of these, you know, you look at some land here in Wisconsin, $6,000 an acre. Some people have, you know, Three hundred acres, they've got one point eight million dollars tied up in farmland. You go down to Iowa, in certain parts of Iowa, they're you know fifteen to twenty five thousand an acre if it's prime land. So it all depends on where you're at, and they might only have you know uh, you know hundred acres down there, but you can still get million million and a half or hundred acres down in Iowa. So it's good to have a mixture of asset classes outside of the real estate. And uh, sometimes you gotta weigh it appropriately based off the level of risk you're taking in farming.
1: Well, with a lot of farms, uh, you have chickens and eggs, mm-hmm. and you mentioned that you have that as well on yours. So, with this, is always the challenge of. You know, having enough chickens to produce the eggs that you want, but also what happens if you want all of a sudden to maybe have a little chicken for dinner sometime and you (laughs) decide to kill one of your chickens and then you now all of a sudden don't have as many eggs. So using this idea, how do you put together a retirement plan so that you're not reliant on one thing uh, either way so that you don't run out of one to help out the other?
0: Yeah, just like you said, it's great to get those those eggs coming in, and some people, you know, you eat the eggs and you excel the eggs, so you have a, a good profitable business. But like you said, what if you're hungry? You said, boy, a chicken would taste good, and then you you kill another chicken, you eat another chicken, and so on and so forth. Now you don't have any chickens left, so you just killed your business uh, in a sense. But that's how retirement looks like we give people a plan how you take your money out to spread that out. You have to make that money last in retirement 20, 25, 30 years, and there's a proper way to do that. And if you're taking out too much, and you go outside of the plan, and you go outside the realm of what's necessary, and you start eating your chickens, which means you're taking out more than what you're supposed to. Now the rule of thumb has changed over the years. Years ago, I would say about a, a ten years ago, they all said the you know five percent. You should be able to take out five percent of your portfolio and still really not touch your principal, not eat the chickens, right? Okay. Um, you know, taking out the five percent is the interest. That's the eggs. Now you look at a few years ago, they said ah, it's more like four and a half percent. Now a lot of the experts are saying because the markets, even though we've had a really good long bull run, they believe that four percent is more appropriate for people today that 4% is the best number to look at. and some people even saying three and a half, but let's just say four. 4% should be appropriate. If you took out 4% of your portfolio, you're not going to touch the principal. So that's why it's so important to find out what is the appropriate place to have your money. And then people say, well, I want to put it all in dividend-paying stocks. Well, okay, so yeah, they pay a dividend of this amount today, but that dividend can change. And what happens when you have to start selling your stocks because of required minimum distributions, well now your dividends are changing. So that's not the perfect plan either. The key is working with a professional to find out how's the appropriate way that you're taking out withdrawals to average that four to higher percent rate return so you're not just taking out the eggs, just the interest and not touching that principal. That's why it's so important to find out you know, what asset classes are you in, How, what is it earning, Uh, Again, if you go too heavy, our previous episode, you're too heavy in cash. Well, what are banks paying today? 0.1% on the savings, uh, maybe 0.2 or 0.3 in a money market, CDs, one and a half. It's not keeping up with inflation, so that's not the answer as well. Gotcha.
1: Uh, In your portfolio, when you're putting together a retirement plan, you got to protect yourself from risk and from some major issues. catastrophic events, and on a farm, a lot of that is you, know, you gotta protect yourself from predators, right? There's foxes, there's weasels, there's other things that'll attack your crops, or your animals. So what are some comparisons you can make in the financial world, some some areas where we have to protect ourselves against?
0: Yeah, and we had this. We had this right when we got our chickens and goats and guinea hens even, those are, those are super loud, kind of more free-ranging <laughs> uh, birds. <laughs> Uh, we had lost a guinea hen early in the season last year because we had a coyote come and took out one of our guinea hens. So that's important to keep, you know, protect that. And wh- what are some of the the foxes or the coyotes in your retirement? Well, that's inflation. You know, inflation. You have to keep up with inflation. And I don't think a lot of advisors actually accurately figure that out. And you know, they talk about, oh, you have this much money, you should retire, but what is it gonna keep up with inflation because your expenses are changing? So you gotta make sure inflation is factored in. We well, you need to figure taxes. Um, a lot of people don't think about the taxes. I'm gonna be grow, you know, getting 6,000 a month. Well, at your tax rate, 22 federal and eight states, you know, maybe you're only gonna be netting about $4,500 a month, okay? all depends on what state you're in. So you need to factor in taxes. Now, you're not funding Social Security, Medicare anymore um, in retirement, but you still have to pay your federal and state taxes. But what about anything catastrophic in the market? You need to plan for that. Those are some of the other issues that pop up. I think what's hurt us is our memory. (laughs) We forgot how bad it was 12-plus years ago when the markets started dropping. October two thousand seven, l- over twelve years ago, is when the markets start dropping, and all the two thousand eight and part of oh nine. So, I was sitting down with somebody the other day. And I looked at her and I said, "You know, she was sixty years old." I said, "You were my age when the markets are dropping last time," and um, you know. So I'm just kind of putting things in relationship. You had time when you were forty eight to have the market come back, but you know, over you know sixty years old now, you don't have that time. Anymore, Uh, another one is long-term care. We know with the cost of long-term care, almost for a private room, about ten thousand dollars a month. We know people pay more than that. All depends what type of care. Usually doesn't end there. But you look at in-home care, assisted living, long-term care. It's expensive, and if you're self-paying, you say if you're you're paying for your long-term care if you don't have a long-term care plan. Um, your deductible is your whole estate, so uh, they don't let you keep hardly anything. If you have to go to a long-term care facility, you're going to be paying that. So, only about seven percent of the people actually have a long-term care plan. It's something really you should consider looking at if you can afford it. It's not just what you afford with your checkbook, but really you have to, you know, they have to do a health test. You're really seeing if you can afford it with your health. If your health is good, that's a good opportunity to get long-term care and the statistics on you qualifying for it I think once you if you uh, apply for long-term care in your 50s by mid 50s and lower majority of people get qualified but for those who try to get long-term care policies in their 60s the numbers drop drastically down it's in the low 20s get qualified because of now you probably have some health issues pop up um, in the last one here, another one of these things that could attack your your chickens is hidden fees. And we spent a lot of time going over what the cost of what people are paying for their retirement and it's uh I, I literally had somebody in last night and they didn't know they were paying over three plus percent in this one investment they had. And I said, You've had this thing for twelve years. Uh that was a hundred and we figured the numbers, it was like hundred and eight thousand dollars in fees that they hmm. paid over the last, because it's a very sizable account. And they're like, oh my gosh. Because <laughs> I don't know if I made 108,000 in the last 12 years even in the account. I go, there you go. So you see who's winning. So fees will definitely, you're gonna have fees with anything. So we can't say right. you're, you're never gonna have fees, but make sure that the fees are not, you know, it's always, we always know. You get, you pay for what you, what you get, but when you're overpaying for what you get, there's a problem. So it's gonna be a win-win.
1: Well, in farming, you know, diversity of crops is key. If if you're only growing one item, if you're growing just corn or if you only just have chickens or whatever it is, you're putting yourself at risk because if that one thing goes bad, then your business is in trouble and you're not going to be able to make a living. So just like that, putting together a portfolio, a retirement plan, you got to be diverse in the different assets and investments that you have. I mean, that one seems pretty clear, but what are some things to consider there?
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things because we could see what could happen. I mean, if there's a excise tax on corn, now it's too expensive, or it could be we could have a bad weather. We just have bad seasons, and I love our farmers. We have a lot of clients who are farmers, and we always joke. He says you'll never make a farmer happy, <laughs> you know, because uh, one season can be too much rain, not enough rain, too much sun, too hot, you know, too dry. You know, it's it doesn't matter even if it was a breakout uh, season. Um, with that, uh, usually they're not happy and I can, usually attest to the, the spouse on that, but you need to be diversified. And if you're only farming corn and you're not maybe doing corn and soybeans, or you're not changing that up over time, you need to make sure because uh, things change. What if like ethanol is? They say we're not going to put you know, use corn for ethanol anymore for in the in the gas. Well, that would be a big change on the corn, wouldn't it? They find something else that's going to be better in gasoline engine. So, true diversification is important. You don't want to be heavy stocks. You don't want to be heavy you know, checking, saving, CDs. It's a combination of that, and um, and also I think people get a little mixed up on this when they they go back to their advisors or brokers and said, well, my advisor said I'm very well diversified. I said, diversified in what? I mean, risk diversification only is just risk. So if true diversification meant you can't lose, well, then that's great um, if that's the case. But when we look at, if you're diversified only in the risk bucket, well, it's still risk and you're still going to lose. So it doesn't matter if you have a mixture of 25 you know, different mutual funds or stocks and bonds, risk is risk. The key to true diversification is look at different classes of of buckets of money. There's a risk bucket, there's a short-term cash flow bucket that you need to have uh, six months of your expenses aside, and there's a long-term non-risk bucket that we, we recommend. So it's a combination of that to set you up for to be diversified in and up or down market. It's appropriate to have a diversified portfolio, no matter whether the market's up or down.
1: Well, there's a lot of great comparisons between farming and retirement planning. But the last one I want to get Hmm. from you is a good rooster. Every farm has a good rooster that crows in the morning, gets everybody up, keeps everybody on schedule. What is a rooster when it comes to retirement planning?
0: Yeah, and we have a few roosters. You know, when we get the chickens, at uh, these little chicks at a young age, we didn't know how many were roosters. And that last batch we got, we have majority roosters in there. So, the, you know, the roosters are there to protect the hens. They're to protect that and, and give warning as well. And I think that's, yeah, that's your advisor out there. So you want to have uh, somebody who's helping you to uh, warn you about things that they see that you're not seeing because the hens are there out just by the chicks or they're just eating, they're walking around eating, the roosters looking around for enemies, they're looking around for anything, potential uh, coyote or or fox coming into that. Um, So you need to have somebody who's keeping a watchful eye over your accounts and I think that's important. It's, It's hard to be a lone ranger in your retirement uh, most people can't do it. Some people enjoy it, even though they're not good at it. Uh, but it's good to see have a second set of eyes. You know, they would say if you're if you're too close to the trees, you don't see the forest. That kind of thing. And the things that we see, we can warn people about the dangers up ahead if they don't make any adjustments.
1: Well, I thought it'd be a fun conversation to compare farming and retirement because I know you've you and your family do some on the side, and I thought that uh, this turned out pretty well. I thought there's yeah was good comparisons between the two uh before we wrap it up though i want to dive into the mailbag and take one question from a listener and again you can always connect on uh, the website principal you can call mike's office 855-987-8888 connect on facebook as well send a question in there if you would prefer to do that and then we'll bring them on the show and ask them here but lisa wrote in uh, recently and asked i'd really like to meet with a financial advisor but my husband says we're fine handling our investments ourselves. Is it okay to do this without help?
0: That's, I think, I think that's a, a, a tough one to do. Obviously Lisa's reaching out, and what we see a lot of times, this this pride that people get that we, we know how to do it, we don't need anybody else to do it. But again, they're not in that industry. They were working their career, uh, most likely in a different a different realm before. And you know it's hard. We can get prideful because we think it's us. We think it's it's us that helped. You know, as I'm talking about a client themselves, that they were the reason why they made a lot of money in the portfolio. But I will tell you, in the last roughly 11 years, it's hard not to have make made money. And so don't get prideful just because you made money. They think that it was your success. I mean, it's hard not to make money the last 10, you know, 11 years. So. I would recommend, and, and really, a relationship here. If you're married, you know, I understand. You know, it's a joint venture. It shouldn't just be one way or the no, or no way. Because what happens when we see these? Uh, one of the spouses wants to just have hundred percent control over it. If something happens to that one that's controlling the the uh, finances, they pass on the other spouse has no idea what's going on. And they yeah. can't duplicate that, even if the other one was good at it. So it's good to have somebody else involved with that. And it doesn't have to be all or none. And I tell that to people all the time, even self-managers. And he says, I'm here really for my spouse. I like to self-manage. And I said, you know what, here, have a play account. You know, have a non-qualified account. You like to do your trade stocks and have fun with that. But don't, don't put at risk your retirement in this, these very high risk portfolios, typically, uh, I said, uh, for the sake of um, both the team members, but at least they hit their developing relationship with an advisor that he still has his accounts that he wants to play around with, but at least she has a place to go to if something ever happens.
1: Huh. Well, that's interesting. I never thought about, you know, not it's, it's not all or nothing. You can still keep some money on the side and, and kind of do as you please. But yeah, I also agree that it's important for those... It's, it's always easy in the in the ups in, in this market, but it's when things get a little dicey. Are you prepared to properly handle that with your portfolio? And that's where uh, an advisor comes in like Mike. So thanks for that question, Lisa. Uh, again, you can write to us or connect with us at principalpreservationservices.com. And while you're there, there's also a lot of resources that you'll find on Mike's website that uh, you, you might want to access and read through and just look over whether or not you're working with Mike or not. They're there for you to u- utilize and uh, help. Benefit you and your retirement plan. But if you want to set up a time to sit down with Mike and his team, have a consultation, uh, have that first conversation, or look at your plan, see what adjustments need to be made, or see if you're on the right track, give him a call at 855 987 8888. So farming, didn't think there'd be that much to learn about uh, retirement from farming, but we learned quite a bit today. So, Mike, thanks for that.
0: You're welcome. It was a fun episode, and uh, I think a lot of people out here and eastern minnesota western wisconsin will we'll relate to that
1: yeah no doubt indeed so that'll do it for us here on the retirement reality podcast hit subscribe and we'll have the next uh, podcast delivered right to you we come out with a new episode every single week also every episode is archived at principal preservation services.com so you can go there you can listen to the episode but you also read the show notes as well so it's all right there for you for mike i am ben thanks for being a part of this episode we will talk to you on the next one